Thanks for listening to the show. Join us online at playvolutionhq.com and learn how to support the show at explorationsearlylearning.com slash support. Welcome to Renegade Rules. Kick back, settle in, and let us fill your ear holes with early learning information, wisdom, and advice. And now, here's Heather and Jeff. Hey, here's part two of our conversation with Tanya about how she's using Renegade Rules in her four school program in Ontario. Yeah, and I think it's the same thing almost with um, kids when they're, how long is the right amount of time if they're using a toy, you know, for sharing, is how long is the right amount of time to have a big feeling? Because there are some kids, and we probably all think, yeah, that's my kid at home who cries or carries on much too long in in our opinion. And we've acknowledged their feelings. We've helped them out expressing it in appropriate ways, and it's time to move on because we've done all that. But some kids will be over and done with the big feeling almost immediately once they've expressed it, and others have a great need to continue to express yeah, um, and and this ex- Jeff, were you one of those? I- <laughs> no, no, I prefer to keep my my feelings all bottled up inside. That's kind of my way to do it. Yeah, yeah. But no, sometimes and 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 you're trying to wait for them to to get done and move on, and and you're trying to be patient, but waiting gets so boring. Um, for yeah, me. yeah. Um, I, I maybe I, I I if I was a better person, I guess I wouldn't feel that, but sometimes I, I just do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of people have sort of asked for permission to move on from a feeling and it's totally fine to move on if if uh, the child knows that you care and that you're there and that you've you've acknowledged what they're feeling and they still have a need to cry. So, it's okay to tell them something like, "I see you're still um I see you still need to cry about this right now, and that's fine. I'm going to be over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if you need me, I'm going to be over at this tree. You can yeah, come it, over or you can stay where you are. When you're done crying, when it, you're done feeling like you have to keep crying, because we know they're sad, we know what it's about, we've gone through all this, um, you can join in there. You can come on over. And if you're out in the right. if you're out in the just if you're out in the what? forest, if you're out in the forest, there's plenty of, of, of room for them to go go way over there by that tree. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or it doesn't even have to be too far. But it's um, it's and sometimes I, I have said to a child that um, you are, you're still sad. I see you're still sad, but that that voice is too loud for my ears. Yeah. So if you need right. to be that loud, then I'm going to be over here where it's not right. in my ears. If you still need to be that loud, go ahead. But if you want to be by me, yeah, <laughs> it has yeah, to be exactly. a little quieter. Or maybe we can do another thing to get those feelings out. Maybe we can yeah. you know, take a stick and We're, draw in the, in the sand or something. Right. We're lucky in that we, like, we have a lot of space, so that's, and we don't really have another agenda. So that's another thing I like is that you know, we're out, we don't have, you know, there's no, we don't ever have to say, okay, we have to be done with this feeling of this conflict because I need to teach you about, uh-huh. you know, the names of different trees or anything like that. Like, that is our agenda. So when, as these things are happening, you know, we don't feel like, like time is being stolen from something else mm-hmm. that we need to be teaching the children or showing them because cause this is really 
uh, at the top of our our list of priorities. So there has been a time though, there has been a time with feelings. I was just thinking about this and, and loudness. You know, where one child is that definitely happens with the children themselves, or you know, another child will say, "You're too loud for me. I just I just don't like loud." And this child is saying, "I want to play with you." Or, so I say, "Well." person needs quiet and you need to be loud so let's go over here or I can't I need to help you can't stop yourself from from running up to this other child so I'm going to help you stop you know something like that but uh it can get very very interesting oh yes now I I love the nugget of wisdom you you offered just now Uh, I think so many of us can benefit this from this which is we don't have another agenda you know, this is right. the folks. This is our top priority. And besides, I'm assuming delivering the children back to their parents at the end of the program, you don't mm-hmm. have. Mm-hmm. You know, they arrive, they're with you, they leave at some point. Um, but if that is the agenda of the day, that 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 living and life and and experiencing the world and experiencing big feelings, if that is the agenda then yes, we do have time for big feelings. You know, we do. And that's such a blessing to have that mindset, that this is the agenda. And sometimes it's, sometimes I have inside of myself, although I will hide it from the children because it annoys them, I celebrate <laughs> the fact that a child is crying or a child is mad because yes. it's wonderful. That's what they should be doing. That's how they need to be reacting. That's what they need to be experiencing. And if they don't do it enough, I do get worried about them. But if they right. have these feelings and get them out and learn about them and learn to eventually control them and express them in, in maybe less loud and more appropriate ways, then then that's a fantastic opportunity. So I'm happy for them. I'm happy they're sad <laughs> at this moment. Yeah. Um, I like it. I like when a child, when a child, when children come to us, sometimes I feel um, almost a little nervous if they're too agreeable or they haven't, they haven't had any big feelings yet. Like, you know, maybe they're, because we want them to come to us with, we want them to be all of them. We don't really want to be the program that kids come to and are very compliant and agreeable and, you know, once they start disagreeing with us or, um, or, you know, having, showing, you know, that they're feeling sad or angry or frustrated, as well as happy and excited and curious, and then we think something is going well. And I know I really like that. My son really doesn't like to cry. He'd rather, he'd rather be angry. And, um, and I, I'm usually pretty happy when he starts crying. And he, when he started to, when he used to come to our program, a lot with me and he still comes there a lot with me and but in the past he would just be completely agreeable the whole time and then when we got in the car he would get super upset about something small or you know for the rest of the night at home because he's been holding in these little frustrations right but um so let's put your your finger on another one which is a lot of kids will hold it in in public or in in a program and and so I, I remember when my when my mother was ecstatic because I finally um, had a huge big feelings and flailing around at, at my childhood preschool when I was four, the <laughs> teachers were all startled because they'd never seen this side of me before. And my mother said, oh, yeah, she's like that a lot at home. <laughs> now she must be comfortable. You know, it's yeah. a degree of she's comfortable enough in the program and with the teachers and adults who are um, with her that the child can be herself, all sides of herself, because 
that's when we do the most learning when we are ourselves but so many kids will hold it in and then of course save the best for home (laughs) often when the parents are tired and don't know what to do and Uh, and 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 don't a lot of programs prefer kids that hold it in i mean truly aren't there those programs out there that you know it's just easier when kids aren't having their feelings because then we can get through circle time and then we can get through our curriculum right and I, I, I think that's one of the, one of the mistake, mistake, I don't know. I, I've, I've seen it visiting programs that we, we want that superficial hold it in. It's easier. Yeah. 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 But, and I think, um, you know, Tanya, you're, you're being, um, wonderfully pure and honest in saying that, yes, you, you want those big feelings in the program. You get nervous about the ones that hold it in. But still, on a day when everybody's being their genuine selves, it gets exhausting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not, even though we're delighted philosophically, it can be draining. You, um, you want to, them to have them, but you don't want them to all have them the same day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, that's helpful if they could stagger them. But you know what? That is a good thing about a multi-age program because... You know, the children, they sort of need us in different ways. Like, Uh I'm kind of happy that we don't have, I mean, some days we have maybe uh, four to six four-year-olds, but, uh, and then you can have a lot of the same sort of, um, I hate to, I don't like to reduce them, but, you know, you can have a lot of similar conflicts about uh, similar things. But that is a good thing about when we have 12-year-olds and eight-year-olds and four-year-olds, um, that's really helpful because sometimes uh, an older child will come up with a solution for something or um, or they just need you in sort of different ways. So, you know, um, I might spend a lot of time um, with some children who are crying about sharing a toy and then maybe some, some other time um, with children who are, you know, stick fighting but... Yeah, maybe, well, there's an example recently where some children were stick fighting and a couple people were getting hurt. And then um, I walked over to check in with some kids about it and they said, well, we're all, we're all, we, we already figured something out. We're already fighting in slow motion. So <laughs> I said, okay, well, that was, that was kind of easy. But that, that I think it will be hard for me anyways to work with like 24-year-olds or um, I don't know. I'm not sure about what it would be like if I was working. I'm sure I've never worked with a lot of 12-year-olds. Um, but I'm sure like any group where the children are all around the same age can, I think that would be really even more tiring. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I, putting out a challenge to those of you who are listening, who say, might think when you, when you hear Tanya say, we don't have another agenda. If you have not enough room for big feelings to happen, Look at your schedule, look at your agenda, and see what you can sweep away to make room. Because this is the, this is the work of early childhood. And if we don't work on this now, then kids don't get practice and gain these skills. And, and boy, we sure want adults who know how to deal with those big angry feelings and all those conflicts. So, so if, if you don't have room in your day, clear some look at your look at your program and see what you can get out of the way so that you can relax and say yes we have all the time in the world for this big feeling um we actually can i say something we did have to change our um schedule because when we first started we had a circle at the beginning so everyone come around check in uh share their names and their feelings and maybe something they wanted to do and a circle at the end 
So maybe reflecting with some gratitude um, and sharing how you're feeling at the end. But we used to have one in the middle too, but we found it was so kind of takes us to another topic, but it was too much interruptions for the children's play. Mm -hmm. Like they're with us for two and a half hours and to interrupt it in the middle to, to bring them together to have a snack and then maybe do a sit spot to observe nature. Like we just found it was, it wasn't working. So, so we just got rid of it. And recently, um, I do a program with parents and kids who are about one to four. And last year, the kids really liked um, ending with a, a, a story. So I'd read them a story from a book. Um, but this now I'm working with a different group, and it doesn't. Nobody's really interested in that. And you know, I'm I was kind of torn from the beginning because I thought kids get stories a lot of other places, and we're out here in nature. It's really special, and it's you know a small amount of time. So I. I just checked in with the parents and I said, unless there's any other need, I'm not going to interrupt the kids and say, I'm doing story time now. I'll just, we'll just have our circle at the end. So, so we've done that. We've changed our, our routines or our schedules. Yeah. So um, any, any other thoughts you have about ways that um, you found ideas from the It's Okay books have influenced your program or, or, or um, ways you went about a transition that you think another program might find useful if they're feeling a bit nervous about making a change, or any other stories from the trenches that you'd like to share on that topic? Um, I think I think I mentioned a bit, but I don't know if I talked very much about um, about play themes. Um, I'm trying to th- play themes are are kind of a big one because sometimes um, the parents are really you know, they might have a set of rules around play themes and they'll communicate, you know, so they'll say, we don't, um, my child's not allowed to play shooting games or my child um, is not allowed to roughhouse. Or sometimes it's a sibling. A sibling might say, hey, you're not allowed to do that. Um, And it's kind of hard because um, we have to find a way to say to the parent that we're not going to enforce that rule at our program that mm-hmm. we will want to protect the play and the play themes and we assure them that we um, help the children consent to play the games and we help them um, express limits and respond to limits if that's necessary um, but that I mean that's that's kind of hard but once yeah. once yeah. you understand it and you understand why the play why children choosing their own play themes is really important um, I I it just it's, it gets a lot easier, and it was a big stretch for me. That's that's I think I mentioned before that about how technology is sometimes uh, I'm uncomfortable with it. And I recently learned about another program where um, the leaders of the program discourage that they don't use screens at all, which we we really don't. We don't have a hard and fast rule against screens. We just sort of. Uh, deal with it, uh, it, you know, if it were to come up. But um, this other program also had a um, no-screen talk rule, so the children are discouraged from playing games that are related to television or video games or talking about them. And that was really interesting for me because um, a lot of kids like to come to our program and they want to play what they call Pokemon in real life or Minecraft in real life. So they're running around the forest acting like characters from Pokemon or I don't even really understand how they, how the Minecraft game works, but it's obviously really important to some of them. And, um, 
that was interesting for me because I'm as, as much as I'm a little bit technophobic, I, I could never, I wouldn't, now that I've bought in so much to the importance of play and children choosing their own play things, I could never say to a child, you know, we're not going to play Pokemon in real life here because I would feel like I was taking, you know, something that's such a big part of their life and, and making it sort of like, no, you have to check that at the door that, and then it sort of feels like a, like a secret or something that they can't, can't bring to us. So I thought that was interesting because it was something I wasn't expecting. I had already got comfortable with um, um, gun play and superhero play and princess play and all that. But I wasn't really expecting a long time back. I wasn't expecting the children to act out video games in our space. Um, and a little part of me was thinking, well, maybe I should, I kind of want to, I kind of want to attract them to some, you know, uh, game that has been shown to, to enhance nature connection. But then I, I fought that, that, that impulse of my own and checked in with Aaron and we talked about that and, and now it's just, it's just beautiful to see them, you know, running around and following their own, their own play impulses and being super creative with it. Yeah. I think um, when we watch kids play and I, uh, a play idea that comes from a movie or a video game, it, it's important to watch it for a while and, and see what's really going on. Because um, if we only half pay attention we might not really notice what kind of play is happening. And it's going to depend on the kids because some kids mm-hmm. can get stuck in a rut. And I think right. at those points, it's useful if they're not your own kids to say to the family, you know, I've noticed that um, uh, he's doing a lot of the play theme on this video game. And it's been the same words every day, the same script, the same play. I, and I'm not seeing... Um, you know, a lot of his own ideas and creativity right. going into it. I wonder how often he watches this at home, that kind of, let's just raise the the point. Yeah. Because sometimes it's not something that you, if you're running a program, can control, but it may be something you can observe and reflect back to the parents. And because there are some kids that get a pretty heavy overdose of, of you know, they like one favorite thing, so they watch it over and over, and then their play gets stuck in a rut. So I think asking right. questions is important. But if the kind of play that we're seeing is taking the basic premise of a certain world or a certain number of characters, and and even if they're playing it every day, but they're bringing their own ideas in and they're learning conflict skills and making friends and doing all those other things, then it can be very creative play. So I think we need to... Um, take a look and observe and say, what am I actually seeing here? And what are the kids actually getting out of it? Um, because kids have always reenacted stories they like, whether it came from a book or whether it comes from a more modern storytelling method. Right. And um, sometimes being, being very um, attentive and watching is helpful. And also sometimes those things come up in a conflict. So if one child is really stuck repeating the same um, sort of element from a video game narrative or something. Some, sometimes it comes to us and another child will come and say, oh, I don't, you know, he, he only wants to do this thing and I want to do this in the game. So sometimes it emerges like right, that in a conflict between children, which is interesting. And then, and then we can help them through that. And then sometimes I think it, um, I don't know if it's just little ones, but I have noticed um, especially if I, if I know the parent in the family, like one child 
um, really wanted to, to play uh, Hulk smash like all the time. Just, but um, I know that he was the oldest child in his daycare before he came to us. His daycare was serving him really well for a long time. And then it was sort of like him and a bunch of, he was four and a lot of two-year-olds and he, he hadn't had the opportunity to, to do that like powerful play or rough housing or, you know, so, so he just needed to do that for a really long time when he came to us. Right. Yeah. Sometimes there's a certain need that needs to be fulfilled first before the child can move on. Mm-hmm. Well, wonderful um, set of ideas. We've been talking about play themes and the importance of conflict and, and what ideas kids bring when they come into the woods, um, which often can be pretty modern ideas that they take back yes. and, and act with, with their um, bodies and with the sticks and with whatever they're finding. Um, any other parting words of um, courage or um, advice that you have for people who are thinking of making some modifications to their programs? Um, I guess the only thing I would say is um, to lean on each other and communicate with each other. And don't be, I mean, I'm lucky that my um, all of us who are the facilitators, um, we sort of have almost created the same culture I mean, it's different because we're adults and the kids, but we also have that culture between us um, where we um, can open, you know, really non-judgmental and supportive where we can say, I'm feeling really uncomfortable about A or B. So, so, you know, we we all know that we're not perfect and that we're going to make mistakes and that we don't have all the answers. So, you know, trusting in each other um, and, and, staying in contact with each other and um, what else would I say? Um, Just that things get easier, I guess, Um, as far as uh, uncomfortable interactions with the children and with, with um, sort of standing up for the children and their, their right to play um, and to experience risk or whatever it is that you've decided to make a priority. It gets easier. Um, it gets easier to explain those things to the parents and to to be to be firm about them, right. what you're willing to do and not do. Picking up to your your beliefs and and um, even though it's hard, that it does get easier with time, and you're gaining that experience and you're becoming a mentor to the families that you're having in your program. So, mm-hmm. well, and we really try to see them as um, as you know, as partners, that's the other thing, like to try not to get into a thing where, oh, the parents just don't get it. You know what I mean? Like trying to, trying to avoid getting into a parent versus facilitator sort of dichotomy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good. Um, Thank you so much for sharing from your program. And um, again, this is Tanya Collins, our guest from Learning in the Woods in Ontario. Thank you so much. So much. Awesome. Thank you for joining us, Tanya. It was a pleasure. And uh, and and uh, well, I can't wait to drive through Ontario again. We have to stop and visit. I like visit and forest <laughs> programs out in the out in the nature. Um, this has been Renegade Rules. We will be back soon with another episode. Thanks for joining in. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing. And uh, Heather, the book's getting translated into yet another language. Um, and, uh, it's okay to go up this, uh, well, I don't even know which one. Maybe it's just okay not to share. Anyway, it's coming out in French. Yeah, that's what I saw. <laughs> ah. So for all those Canadians, um, especially maybe the ones next door in Quebec, 
Um, you will be able to read it in French very soon. Hey, you got to dig that. That's cool. Hey, thanks for listening. Back soon. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. Music by Alexander Shoemaker. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.